the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, every day on Exploring the Word, we believe is a special day because we're in the Scriptures and we're taking calls and questions. Today's a special day because we begin a new study, and so you're tuning in at just the right time because we're going to begin today the book of Acts, the New Testament book, the Acts of the Apostles, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but I do want to welcome everybody. My name is Alex McFarlane. Along with me is Bert Harper. So, Bert, um, may I begin today with a quiz? Go right ahead. Do I have to answer, or is this just open-ended for everyone? No, this is for you. Oh, me? If, okay, go, if go I ahead. Said, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, kind of, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. What if I said uh, swimming, fishing, ropes course, paddle boats, teenagers from eight or nine states, and sharing the gospel and biblical worldview, and at night singing songs around a campfire, what would you think? Well, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been at one of those. That sounds like a youth Christian camp with Amen. something a little different that you're doing than most do. And did I hear, hear about the Christian worldview and apologetics? Is biblical worldview. Biblical yes. worldview. Way to go, brother. Hey, is well, that going on I, somewhere? Yes, we are in the second day of our first Christian camp this summer, the first of six camps. And I want to just give a shout out to Woodlands Christian Camp in Georgia. I'm in uh, Temple, Georgia. And these folks are so kind, and they've got an incredible facility. And we do have kids from Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Michigan even. But um, they have let me, I wish you could see it, uh, the conference room at the camp office, they've sort of let me take it over, and we have all this gear set up. And this is, uh, I guess, the, the East Coast Bureau of American Family Radio <laughs> for several days this week. Amen. Right? Well, Alex, it thrills me that you're there. And how many more you got to go now? I know, um, I know that you this, did several. Five more. Five, five more. more. But, you know, I, I, I say this because I like, uh, I think it sounds kind of humorous, but we're completely serious. We're trying to woke-proof America's youth. Amen. And the good news is, in, right now we're in front of 130 teenagers. Back, we had a winter camp uh, about two and a half months ago in front of 183 teenagers. But here's the thing, I'll say this, folks. The, the basics of the gospel message, Christ, the Savior, a personal relationship with Jesus, and then things like America and, and how our nation must recover its moral compass. And this morning I spoke and we had Q&A and talked about transgenderism and such. Let me tell you, be encouraged, everybody, middle school and high schoolers, they eagerly embrace truth when we present truth Amen. and the biblical worldview, and one and all, they're making a decision for Christ, and they want to stand for, for God and country. So we just give God the glory for what we can do all summer, and we, we ask everybody to pray. Well, let me ask you this. Is it too late to register for those at other five camps, or is it possible for some to register and be a part of those no they could be now this one here in georgia is in process and was completely sold out i know we have a few vacancies 
And the website for our camps is equipretreat.org, equipretreat.org. And um, I may as well say I have summer camp for grownups, too, but it's called The Cove. (laughs) July 7 through 9, I'll be at the Billy Graham Training Center, and I would love to see and the I will say about the cove, the uh, the lodging is completely oh. full, except there are hotels across the highway. If you've ever been to the cove, we can take a few more registrants, but that's thecove.org. And one last thing, and I forgive me, I just want to give God the glory. I wrote an article on pro-life, and Friday evening late, I heard that townhall.com picked it up. And so if you go to townhall.com, I wrote an article about abortion and how we must urgently recover our moral compass in America. And I don't mean to talk about myself. I give God the glory. But you and I, Bert, we are committed to the proclamation of truth. Amen. And God's giving us opportunities to proclaim his truth. He really has. And we want to be faithful. And uh, we pray that you would pray for us. We really want you to. We want to remain faithful to him. We want to be faithful to the end. And uh, one of our great, great preachers of the past, Vance Havner, that you and Mm. I have quoted so much, he said, man, I want to get home before dark. He said, Mm. I want to stay true to the very end. So that's what we want to do, and we pray that you will as well. Alex, you're talking about the book of Acts. What a book it is. It is, let me call it, the great connector. How important is Acts? Well, it connects the Gospels, four Gospels, to the epistles that you start reading in right after Acts. Romans, all the way through. And it is the volume two of Luke. Uh, Luke's first volume was the Gospel of Luke. But where Luke left off, Acts picks up. And so it it is a great book. I love the book of Acts. I'm looking forward to going through it. We're going to dwell, drill down on important issues and important parts of it. All of it's important, but we're going to select to, if we went it verse by verse, I guess we'd be here in two or three years still. And uh, so on radio, we try to go a little faster than that. But let me begin by reading verses one and two, Alex. Amen. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now here we're introduced the former account. In other words, there was something else going on, something else he had done. That is the book of Luke. He addresses it to Theophilus, who means it means God lover, lover of God, yes, yes. And, and again, I personally believe it's a real person, but I think he chooses him to write to it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this before, writing an article or writing a letter that's general. Do you picture someone that who really needs to know this? And I think yeah. Theophilus really needed to know this, but he knew he represented everybody that needed to know this. All God lovers need to know the book of Acts, don't we? Oh, absolutely. And do you, you know what? When I was a new Christian and just trying to familiarize myself with the Bible, for a while I couldn't remember which came first, Romans or Acts. You know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then I remembered in Acts chapter 9, there's the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And there couldn't have been a book of Romans by Paul <laughs> if not first there was a conversion. That's pretty of Paul. good. Yeah. So, 
But but you're right. The book of Acts is the bridge. The four gospels are the... Sometimes in older commentaries, they would talk about the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Acts is the bridge where, um, you know, and I love how you read those first two verses because, Bert, you know, there are some things that are so regal and august. I think about the Declaration of Independence, you know, when in the course of human events, and then the Gettysburg Address, you know, fourscore. Well, this is just so, the, the wording is like um, the Mount Everest of, uh, it begins the church age, and Luke says, the former treatise or former uh, writing that I've made uh, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, the Great Commission, right? Now, verse 3 of Acts chapter 1, to whom Jesus showed himself alive after the Passover, the Passion, the crucifixion. Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. That means undeniable. Yeah. And the word is technon, technical, uh, undeniable empirical proof, the empty tomb, the the scar in his side, the nail prints in his hands, Luke 24, a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Jesus is risen and seen 40 days speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and then he is taken up. But, Bert, I, I honestly believe Acts chapter 1, along with things like John chapter 1 or the 23rd Psalm, this is just some of the most powerful, frankly, beautiful text yeah. in all of Scripture. I would say Luke knew how to introduce this book. This yeah. is the introduction, right. and it grabs you. It's addressed to someone, God lover. He talks about the infallible proofs. He shares these teachings, and it is an introduction. And and this is what he does, and we know it's Luke. Now, I want to jump ahead a little bit, not that we won't go over it, but we know it's Luke because of what is called the we chapters. If you were to take the book of Acts and study it in a college or seminary, uh, you would look at the introduction, and how would you know it was Luke? It's called the we sections. Over mm-hmm. in the middle of the book of Acts from chapter 16 all the way uh, through chapter 28, you'll find the, the, the pronoun we used. In other words, whoever is writing this letter, uh, this treatise, is there personally observing, watching Amen. it, and seeing what's going on. Now, again, when you see this first, he had to ask information and gathered information, and the power of the Holy Spirit let him put it all together. But this is, this is uh, Luke who has a ringside seat to much of what is going to be reported. And so this is Luke, and he writes it to them. And I love what you said about what he said about Luke says, many infallible proofs. Now, why would he say that? I know he was a physician, but the other thing was he was a historian, Alex. Yes, you you yes. can read that in the book of Luke where it talks about he had investigated and he had reported, he had asked them around. So mm-hmm. he has given a firsthand account and also then he does this by investigating and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's to, able to put this in writing so that we have a, a let me just say, a certain knowledge of the growth of the church in those early years. 
Amen. Well said. And, you know, many commentators and historians have noted that Acts is written in, in a, a very, um, I guess for lack of a better word, like lofty style of Greek, just like the Septuagint. Okay. 200 years before the birth of Christ, they translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek, the Septuagint, uh, which means 70 scholars work for 70 days. And Luke's writing is like that. And many have said it's almost as if he knew that he was writing sacred history. Now, I've always loved Acts 1 because there's some red letter we get. Even though the Gospels are closed, we still get some actual words from the Lord Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, uh, they're awesome words. And really, it's going to outline the whole book of Acts. Jesus' words about these locations is letting us know where we're going from here. We'll be back with more right after this break. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Grace to you, grace to you, His invitation to the broken grace. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex, we're in the book of Acts. We're launching it, and uh, we're starting an introduction to Acts. And Listen, it's a great introduction book. It's divided into three sections, and, and you have the first section, and you'll look at it, and it really takes place in Jerusalem. And then the second, second section takes place in Samaria and Judea. And then the third section, that's the second section, the third section takes place to the uttermost parts of the earth, reaching all the way to Rome. And that sounds a little bit, and I'm I'm looking ahead a little bit to what it said in one eight of Acts. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Alex, I uh, again, we I'm not saying we need to skip to verse eight because there's some important stuff before we get to that. But that's kind of the outline of the book of Acts. So when when Luke heard about what Jesus said, last red letters you'll find uh, in the New Testament here upon earth, we find out he's kind of used that as his outline of the book of Acts because he covers what God did in Jerusalem. And then he goes further north and talks about what he did in Judea and Samaria. And then he even goes further than that, and he goes, I would say he goes west from there and what God did throughout the Roman Empire. So mm. not only is, you said it, the introduction is just intriguing. When you see yes. how Luke develops this, it adds to that quality, not just the introduction, but the quality of the whole book. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that book on missions, and it's been updated a time or two, called Operation World? Yes, I have. Yes. A great book. And, folks, it really is one of the most amazing stories in all of history, the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost till really the the march of the church has encircled the globe. But um, you, you did mention the last red letter uh, portion on earth. Now there is, now here's a trivia question, where else in the New Testament besides the Gospels is there some red ink uh, chronicling the words of our Lord? 
Well, I think there's some over in the book of Revelation, is there not? Amen. In Revelation chapter 1, yeah. but that's not on earth. But um, it's, it's just fascinating um, that Jesus is there, and he tells them, don't leave Jerusalem. But in verse 4, wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. So they're there, and the, he's telling them about the kingdom, and they ask, well, when is Israel going to be restored? Now, the, like you say, this is the outline of the book of, of Acts, really. And just like now, people want to know when is Christ coming back. Well, past and present, people want to know the future. Jesus says, and I think this is an admonition for us, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And, Bert, as you read, witnesses. The early church was, we are to be, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Amazing, verse 9. And when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld or watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. All right, let me just say this. Christ completed his ministry and was caught up to heaven. Bert, is it fair to say that the church wants her times and seasons and ministry is complete, the church will also be caught up to heaven? Alex, that is a great point. And uh, it, it is, it is. I would say it is very consistent. And he said it's not for you to know these things, times or seasons. It's not for you to know. That's not our business. That's the Father's business. But what is our business is to do his work while we're waiting. Now, we wait expectantly, we wait readily, and desire for his return. But until then, what do we do? We are witnesses. The word martyr, I know everybody's probably heard that, witnesses and martyr, comes from the same Greek word. And we yes. are to die to self and live for Christ and let our uh, lives and our tongues proclaim Jesus Christ as the Savior. And so, Alex... Again, when you read that, I love these words in verse 9. When he had spoken these things, they watched. They were intent. They were looking. This is a visible, audible experience. It's not a figment. It's not of imagination. It's not a dream. It is visible. It is audible. And then it says, and, and I found this interesting, uh, in verse 11, men of Galilee don't why, why do you stand here gazing? This Jesus, if, if you've got a, a, word, a, a, you know, a translation and you look at the word, it says same, that's in italics. That means it's not in the original. They put it there for clarity, and it means that. But I, I like it without it. This Jesus. Mm -hmm. Don't have to say the same. It's automatic. This Jesus. Not another Jesus. Not the Holy Spirit coming. Not, not something of his... Uh, kingdom coming. No, this Jesus, visible, audible, and he is coming back uh, to us. Alex, 
that's some promise, brother. Well, amen. Amen. Well, and they obeyed because he said, tarry in Jerusalem. So it says in verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And, you know, on, on the Sabbath, they're not supposed to walk that far. So it's kind of a short journey. When they were coming in, they went into an upper room where there abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. This is not Judas Iscariot. And they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Okay, so these are people that have seen the risen Jesus. And I think it's so significant that... um, (laughs) They had the Last Supper in the upper room. Jesus appeared, risen in an upper room, and now they're in prayer. This is 120, you know, people basically, the 11 disciples, and Bert from a small band that are marginalized, persecuted from the uh, the 11 disciples left. You know, Judas had betrayed Jesus and killed himself. And then the women who had seen the empty tomb and some of the other followers, out of 120 people, the world is about to be forever changed. (laughs) Amen. Uh, This is some group. He names them. I think this is so important. He names them. This is about the third or fourth time that all of them were named at one time. But here is after. They're still together. And notice they continued. That's important. They didn't They didn't drift away. They were in one accord. They had there with purpose, prayer and supplication as they were waiting. And notice who is added to this group. That's a little bit unusual. His brothers. Now, Alex, one of the times, last times we knew about his brothers, they were trying to get him to quit and come aside. They was thinking a little bit. He was off a little bit. Something has happened, and I think it might be the resurrection Lord. Amen. Do you, exactly. Do you, I think it makes a difference in their lives about Jesus, didn't it? Exactly. In verse 14, you know, his brethren, um, and remember when Christ first began his ministry at one point, they even impugned his sanity. They right. said he is beside himself. Uh, and his, you know, their brother had said that he was the son of God. This day scriptures fulfilled in your ears. But by now, all these things have happened. Christ is risen. Christ is ascended. And more than a few scholars like Mike Lacona, Gary Habermas, William Lane Craig have said one of the proofs, uh, the conversion of Jesus' brothers. Why would they go from doubting his Messiahship to believing it and being present at the beginning of the church? Something had happened, and that something was the resurrection. Verse 15 tells us it was about 120 people. So Peter gets up to speak, and I just think this is so beautiful. Um, in shame, Peter had denied the Lord, but he was he reaffirmed and was restored, and Amen. he stands up. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. In other words, the betrayer. And it says, he was numbered with us and had obtained a part of this ministry, but Judas wasn't really a part of it. And the field, the potter's field was purchased. And so 
Peter is basically setting context that from, you know, Old Testament prophecy, Psalm 41 and others, uh, Psalm 69, it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric or his per, um, participation in the disciples let another take. So he's going to sort of cue this up about how they choose Matthias to replace Judas the betrayer. But Peter bases what's going on, and Luke records it so accurately, uh, it, it's in Scripture. I mean, they somehow they were cognizant that they were living out the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Alex, I, I do want to go back to verse 17, just make this comment about Judas's carrot. He was numbered with us. Now, regard, regardless of what he did, and it was horrible, there had become a, he was part of the fellowship, 12 of them. Although he was separate, he was part of. In other words, he spent time with them. They camped out together. They worked together. And notice he obtained part of this ministry. Now, again, it wasn't because his was his, you know, it wasn't real. It was all fake. But it does say he wasn't a freeloader. Judas's chariot demonstrated uh, how a person that is not real can be so ingrained and demonstrate uh, to man for as man can see what we think is a follower of Christ. But Jesus well, knew the truth. He did not. Jesus is the one that knew the truth. He knew it from the very beginning. And when Jesus said, identify one of you who's going to betray me, not a single one of these men said, it's Judas. I've been waiting on his true colors to shine. Jesus knew that. And that lets us know some things. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily yeah. about Judas, but I'm talking about individuals. They, they can play the part. They can act the part. They can look the part and not still be a part. Well, and you know, the others had almost nervously said, Lord, is it I? Yeah. Is it I? And it reminds me, I'm going to give two scriptures. First John 2, 19, where John had written, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have stayed with it. But all of this, and of course, Judas in particular, Psalm 41, 9, yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, my own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. That was a Psalm 41, 9. That was a prophecy of Judas, wasn't it? And Jesus had said, the one who dips the bread into the sop, that was the, the betrayer. But um, Peter goes on and talks about the fact that Judas had hung himself, and he uh, talks about Psalms predicted this. But it says in verse 23, they appointed to Joseph, call Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed, and they said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, and show whether of these two you have chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. That's sad to think of, but Judas went to hell. He did. Yeah. Uh, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now, let me say this, and you feel free to disagree. Is this almost like the the first um, uh, 
you know, I, I guess you, you'd call it ordination service. <laughs> I, I, yeah, <laughs> it, it is, Alex. I had not considered that, but it is. And uh, again, uh, this these two men, they were both qualified. They had been with them. They had they had seen the Lord. They had observed him. They had seen the resurrecting Lord. So obviously they did a weeding out. There were several mm-hmm. there. But they Probably said no. equally good, yeah, equally committed. Too, too good. I, I want to say a word about Joseph Barsabas, and whose surname is Justice. We don't know much about him, but I pray he was that person that was gracious and said, "Lord, you had your way. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have to. I don't have to be numbered with the twelve to keep on serving you, Alex. Yes. Uh, listen, if you're if a person's in a group of people and uh, they're looking at elders and they're looking at different people and they don't select you don't quit the ministry don't say well if you don't want me i don't want you no keep on serving stay in there it's not about them it's about serving the lord anyway isn't it 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 really is it really is and you know i believe we'll see uh justice in heaven and no doubt he did other fine things for the lord but the lot fell to matthias and they they prayed and matthias um, you know, much has been said about, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. But in a way, you know, ordination, whether it be deacon ordination or I was ordained to the ministry, doesn't mean there's anything special about the, the ordinand, the candidate, just that the church recognizes God's put them in this role, and to the best of their ability, they're going to serve it. Amen. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. That phone number is 888-589-8840. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. The number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your Bible question. If you want to call in, Bert and I will do our best to give you a factual, biblical answer. And uh, so tomorrow when we resume Acts, we're going to be right there at chapter 2. Uh, Bert, uh, before we go to the phone calls, did you have any further comment on Acts chapter 1? Yeah, I did. I I could not help but notice this, and I think it is important. If you'll look in chapter 1, verse 17, it says about Judas, he was numbered with us. That's the word. Now look at verse 26 about Matthias, and it says he was numbered with the eleven. In other words, this guy, they brought him in. He may have been the new kid on the block. I'm not saying he didn't need to learn some things. I didn't. I don't say he uh, was less than, but they brought him in as one. What, what a treat that is for these mature 11, not to say, oh, you're second rate, you're no good. No, you're one of us. And Alex, I think that says a lot about the fellowship of Christ, that uh, yeah, mm-hmm. there's some. There's a learning curve. Know that. Yes, there's a, a discipleship following, but yet at the same time, uh, the importance of these people is real. And so I just, I, I, I just couldn't help but notice that. I thought that was important. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, you ready to go to the phone lines? Let's do it. Okay, we're in Texas, and it's Janet. Welcome, Janet. 
Yes, um, I'm going to thank you uh, for all that you all do in sharing Christ and your uh, teachings and answering questions that have a little testimony. Uh, Saturday, I went to get some gasoline at a convenience store, and I love to share Jesus. My heart is in evangelism, and so I'll just tell people Jesus loves you. And then it opens up a door for me to share a gospel of Jesus Christ with them. With this young man, he was in a U-Haul van, and I was trying to help him get closer back up so he could see better, how to back up to get closer to the pump. Anyway, he said, well, thank you. I guess I needed help after all. And I said, yeah. And I said, I just want to tell you Jesus loves you. And I shared uh, some scripture with him. And one of the scriptures was, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the to the Heavenly Father but by me. That is John fourteen six, And uh, he said, you know, it was that scripture that led me to the Lord. He said, he used to be an atheist. Mm, wow. He said, he, he said, he said he was raised in Europe. They came to uh, the United States, but he said he gets to call Texas his home that he said it was that verse right there, John fourteen six, that led him to the Lord. Amen. He said Amen. he said because I he said because he used to be an atheist. Amen, so, Janet. He and I shared. Yeah, thank you so much, Janet. Amen, Alex. That is a powerful verse. Jesus said, "I am the way, the life." You know, uh, there is no other way besides me. I'm the truth. God bless you, sister. The, the hey, it's, um, I, you're the English major. Is there a difference in the and a? Uh, well, absolutely. <laughs> That's a very important definite article, and the speaks to the exclusivity of Christ's salvation. But, ma'am, I just appreciate you being a witness and an evangelist. If, if we could get her contact info, I'd love to send her a copy of our 100 questions book, which... Um, you know, I got a question over the weekend about somebody asked how you and I prepare for the shows, and I, I think we're just always reading and always preparing. Yeah, always. But if, if Brent, if we can get her contact info, I'll, I'll get a book in the okay, mail Okay, Janet, her. don't hang up. Stay with us, and uh, we've got some people in there getting it ready. Thank you, Janet. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Anthony. Welcome, Anthony. <laughs> Hey, hey, Burton, Alice. God bless you. Peace and blessings. Uh, I, I feel like it's my day today to have y'all um, answer my question or statement. Uh, so, real quick, um, I listen to you all coming from home. I actually live in Virginia, but I work in North Carolina, and I listen to you all on my way home. But my question or statement or, you know, just something you all can help me with, uh, with word of knowledge, is that, uh, so I, I'm a minister of the gospel. And I've been serving at my church uh, as far as on my pastor for at least uh, 16 years. So I feel and I know that I, that the knowing is there as far as the ministry. And I know the Bible says uh, two things that the Bible is really helping me with is saying that uh, they that hunger and thirst shall be fed. And also because the hunger is there, I read my Bible like constantly, the studying and everything else, and even want to be certified in some things. But and also the other thing is that uh, a minister wait on his ministry. But I do know that the time is not. So it's just like I, I need to know. There's some currents there, but I just want to know, like, what you all feel as a flow of just going forward. Okay, Anthony. First thing, let me share with you. Don't despise small beginnings. 
don't don't think that being under a pastor is less than anything. Listen, the greatest place we can be is under Christ. And when I came from senior pastor of a church here in Northeast Mississippi on board here at AFA, AFR, uh, it was a pleasure to be under authority of, of these people. And so don't, first of all, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise that ministry where you are. Be faithful where you are, but be ready. Alex, uh, you might want to add that for Anthony. Add to that. Well, you know, one of the great illustrations that I've ever heard, um, do you remember a man named Gary Collins? And he kind of was one of the pioneers of Christian counseling. Yeah, I do. I do. Very large book simply called Christian Counseling and great book. Um, But he was at Liberty University in the counseling department, and I was doing developmental psychology and I guess he just felt led to speak to me because I and how he could have known this is only by the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking, you know, I'm working hard and I'm a youth pastor and I'll never amount to anything. I was discouraged. And one day he asked me to stay after class and he said, Alex, I just want to tell you something. Airplanes at the airport, they taxi out and they sit there with the engines idling for a long time. He said, but One over here takes off and one over here takes off. He said, just remember, the pilot's job is to keep his eyes on that control tower because one day when it becomes his turn, the master controller says, okay, take off and soar. He said, so you just, I don't know how long you have to sit out there on the tarmac, but you keep your eyes on the Lord and he'll give you your marching orders one day. And I guess my point, that was a good encouragement to me, but... I, the caller is right. We stay ready. We stay faithful. If we're obedient today, he'll give us a, another assignment tomorrow. He really and will. And so forth. Yeah. And so it goes, isn't it? It really does. Anthony, thank you for listening and thank you for calling. Let's go to Texas and talk to Nathan. Welcome, Nathan. Uh, good afternoon, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hear your perspective and um, just feel your, your grace and your care over the radio every day. I'm uh, I'm on route, so I'm going to try to make this quick so I don't lose signal on my drive. Um, the question today, I I feel like God's been trying to answer it in a sense. Um, I was talking to my oldest daughter yesterday uh, around dinner time and just rehashing some of uh, the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus and about having to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven and what that looks like and uh, how the the giving of the Holy Spirit has uh, such a profound impact on our our ability to to seek and serve and understand the Lord and his word. And um, my daughter asked me, do I have the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, and I kind of caught myself because I didn't want to be presumptuous, uh, but She has been, quote-unquote, saved. She made a decision of faith about two and a half, three years ago, and I baptized her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And as far as we can tell, we've noticed some changes in her life. And I just wanted to see if you guys had um, any good resources for me to either read myself or point her towards to understand the 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit on a, a young person's life and how to be sensitive to his teaching, and then just for me to assure, assure assurance that I would find assurance that she is, in fact, in God's hand. Amen, Nathan. Thank you so much. Alex, uh, there's a book that, that uh, we used to do at our church, Young Believers, that kind of hit on all of those. It was called Survival Kit. And, oh, yes. And it yes. would take uh, young believers, and they have it for different ages, so you can do that and adapt it to that, Nathan. But you can find that, and it tells all the aspects of the of, – and part of that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit living in a believer. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. And, hey, let me recommend a resource that I know you can find it online for free, like a PDF, because I've gotten it too. But it's the Billy Graham Christian Workers Handbook. And it's an A to Z. It's in alphabetical order. Of course, it's a great book. I've I've seen it like spiral bound, and you can get it from the Billy Graham Ministry. And I'm going to tell you, that is one of the best all-around resources, and there's a lot of information in there about the work of the Holy Spirit. But if a person has made a sincere profession of faith, yes, the Holy Spirit indwells every believer. Bert, the, the Holy Spirit works in everybody's life in the sense of calling people to turn to Christ, the ministry of conviction and drawing people. But when we put our faith in Jesus, there's the, the ministry of conversion. It is. We're born again. And then the Spirit of God indwells us. So, yes, the, the Holy Spirit is in your daughter as in every true believer. Now, the rest of life, a big part of it is letting the Holy Spirit lead us. Yeah. You know, we're not to quench or resist the Holy Spirit, are we? We're not. We're to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, that walking in the Spirit is in conjunction with the Holy Spirit directing every area of your life. I, I forgot exactly which guy it was, but somebody asked one of the great theologians, does God have the key to every room of your heart? That is mm. a good thing. And when you think of rooms, you think of every area of your life. Does the Holy Spirit have the key? Can he come in? Can he go in and out? Does he have access to every area of your life? He needs to. Nathan, we hope that helps. Let's go to... And by the way, yeah, let ahead. me just say, Galatians 5, 16 and following, folks, if you want to really read up on uh, walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. <laughs> Amen. Listen, it is real. The Spirit of God in our lives is real. We're going to Indiana, and Marty, welcome. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, you're on, brother. Thank you for calling. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was kind of intrigued by the conversation. I think it was towards the end of last week uh, where they were referring to uh, being the husband of one wife and whether that uh, <clears throat> would exclude them from being a deacon or a pastor. And you know, I've, I've seen that done to men that were unsaved, that maybe were divorced, and then they gave their life to Christ, and they still would not allow them. You know, they looked at them through that lens, and the one thing I'm thinking is the Scripture says when we've given our life to Christ, we're a new creation. So would that not count? Okay, Marty, thank you for your call. We discussed that a good bit uh, last week, Alex, and let me just share with you, a lot of it is up to the local church. There are some that's top-down, you know, denominations, and they give that to you. 
but in a lot of churches that are local, uh, it's one of those things they must decide. I know it means a one-woman man. It doesn't mean one wife at a time, per se, but a one-woman man. That's their heart. That's their spirit. Uh, so, Marty, um, it's according to which church it is, whether that's going to happen or not. I would not let either way get in my life. I want to say what we just said about uh, justice not being chosen. Matthias was chosen. Justice wasn't. Just because you're not chosen as a deacon or they say you can't, it shouldn't diminish you serving the Lord. Alex, go right ahead. You know, it's interesting, and we've talked about this. And um, In fact, I got some correspondence over the weekend from people saying, you know, um, because here's the thing, a lot of scholars, and I mentioned John MacArthur because he's known to be meticulous in his handling of the word, and he is. But even John MacArthur would say that, like the first Timothy 3, 2, husband of one wife, um, it doesn't necessarily mean never having been divorced because, as the caller said, sometimes a divorce, as tragic as that is, but it might happen before conversion. Or here's the other thing people talk about. Like in Matthew um, 19, verse 9, and 1 Corinthians 7, there are some divorce that's allowed. Now, again, it's not desirable, but in terms of infidelity or abandonment, and even my boss, James Dobson, who is as copiously scriptural as you could imagine, you know, um, abandonment and adultery is grounds scriptural sanction for divorce. You don't have to divorce, but, but you can. So here's the thing. Since scripture seems in Matthew 19, 9 and 1 Corinthians 7 seems to allow divorce in certain circumstances. Um, the As John MacArthur, Norm Geisler, meticulous exegetes would say, um, a man that is a one-woman man, not a polygamist, not a not a, an immoral person, but the first Timothy 3 2 would not ne- divorce would not necessarily disqualify them from being a pastor or deacon as long as they were faithful to the wife they had now. Thank you, Marty. We hope that helps you. Listen, Cornelius, Gary, hope to call back. Uh, We'd love to get to your questions. Great questions. Couldn't get to them, but we'll try to later on this week. Real quickly, before we go off, if you need help, the theological era of gay Christianity, it's a big deal right now, wokeness in the church. You Mm -hmm. can go to streaming.afa.net and you can see the theological era of gay Christianity. It would help you a lot. And with that in mind, we're going to sign off and say we'll see you tomorrow on Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.